0: Here, happy to be back with y'all again. Welcome to another edition of OSM Worship Online. We are going to go ahead and get ready to enter into our time of praise now. And we're going to be starting off with a song that's just all about singing out to God from a heart of gratitude. So, responding to God in worship from this place of gratitude. And I learned recently that in the Old Testament, the word for gratitude, it literally means to recognize the good. comes from the Father of heavenly lights, and therefore is a gift from Him. Whenever we recognize the good in our life, and we make that connection that yeah, this is from the hand of God, a heart of gratitude just continually forms within us, which in turn just gives us hearts of worship and adoration the more and more that we just find ways to be grateful for the hand of God in us. So let that carry you into this time of worship now.
1: Alright, this is the day, this is the day that you have made well. Send my feet on high ground. So here I stand. Oh, yeah. You call me out from the grave So I can live like I've been changed There is a new song in my soul And it begins when I breathe in. you call me out from the grave So I can live like I've been changed Soul. And it begins, when I breathe in Your word of life. Oh, your word of life. The old has gone away, sing it one more time. The old has gone away.
0: Today as we lift this up, God
1: with us, and God for us, nothing can come against, and nothing can stand between us. God with us, and God for us, nothing can come against, and no one stand between us god with us god for us nothing can come against and no one can stand between us god with us god for us nothing can come against no one sing it out one more time god
0: you all today, that you guys tune in and engage and may the Lord just bless you and keep you and continue to speak to your heart as we just live one day at a time with him so we love you all looking forward to being back in person with you guys again as we sing together but till then God bless you guys and we will see you next time
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Corey Willoughby here, student pastor at Oklahoma. It's good to be with you again. Thank you, Ian, for leading us in worship and continuing to to just bring us into the throne room with all of that. So, hey, it's good to, again, be with you guys today. Have you guys ever felt like someone has asked you to do something that you didn't really understand? Now, if your first thought is, uh, yeah, math, I feel you. So sometimes we are asked to do things that we don't really understand how to do what we're asked or we don't understand why we're being asked to do whatever it is and maybe we don't understand uh, what it is because it wasn't explained clearly to us or maybe we don't understand what we're being asked to do because we don't have all the information that we feel will equip us for success and all that stuff. Now regardless, whenever we are asked to do something there's usually the expectation of some kind of response from us there's something that is expected for us to do and man, when we read throughout the Bible we see story after story where God asks somebody to do something and they are just Clueless, They don't know what's going on. They don't know why God is asking them to do whatever it is. Or they don't understand how they're supposed to do whatever it is God's asking them to do. Or sometimes they don't even understand how it's going to work because it just seems impossible. But those are the moments where every time we see God show up and do what only God can do. And for me, one of the biggest stories like this is the story that we're going to look at today. It's the story of Noah and the flood. Now, we've been going through this series called Out of the Echoes, and we're talking about how everything we know today is an echo. It's a result of something that we can find in Genesis 1 through 12, the first 12 chapters of the Bible. We see the echo of God's creation and how today that directs how we worship and what we worship and all of that. We see the echo of Adam and Eve being created in the image of God, but also the echo of the first sin that they committed in the garden. We see from that the echo of sin and evil now entering into the world and being a part of creation. And the echo that we're going to see today comes from Noah's trust and obedience to God, in a time where he doesn't really understand everything that's going on. See, when he was asked to do something that he didn't really understand, Noah trusted God, and we see God do what only God can do. So if you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 6, you will see the start of what's called the flood narrative, the story of the flood. And the flood is covered from beginning to end in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. And so what we're going to do is I am now going to read every word of those four chapters right now. So, no, I'm just kidding. Don't turn the video off. Stay with me. Hey, now, what I am going to do, though, is give you a quick rundown of the story. Now, a pattern that we see throughout Scripture is God looking over his creation. God is is always paying attention to his creation and what's going on. And so in this moment, God is looking over his creation and what he sees breaks his heart. And so what's happening is God sees the evil that's in the world, and it makes him sad. Now, this isn't me putting some words to it. This isn't me projecting some emotions onto it to make this some kind of dramatic story. No, this is what Scripture tells us. And so check this out. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Man, we're only six chapters into the Bible and evil has already taken over the world. And now it doesn't say that it was the people's actions or the people's words or anything like that that made them evil. It's actually worse than that. What it says is that their intent was evil This means that the people were doing evil things on purpose They they didn't do something and then look back on it or think back on it and go Yeah, that was kind of bad, I probably shouldn't have done that No, they went into it knowing this is evil and not caring This is how mankind was living in this moment And so God decides to flood the earth to get rid of evil and by doing this, this is going to kill every living thing, animals, people, all of it. But God pays attention to this man named Noah. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time. And he walked in close fellowship with God. So out of all the people alive, out of all the people who are in existence at this point, Noah is the only one who is trying to do what God has asked people to do. And so God has this conversation with Noah, and he tells Noah the plan. He tells him what he's going to do and what Noah needs to do. And so he tells Noah, you need to build an ark, and then you need to get your family, and you need to get two of every kind of animal into the ark. And this is what happens. So Noah gets his family. He gets two of every kind of animal, gets them in the ark. Side note, uh, what one animal do you wish didn't make it on the ark? Think about that one for a second. So Noah gets his family, gets all the animals onto the ark, and then God shuts the door. After this, the rain starts. The flood comes. Everything is dead. Everything gets killed. And then the flood goes away, and the world effectively starts again. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at the first 12 chapters of Genesis like a movie Seeing the story unfold as we meet different characters and see them develop And we see different stories all happening But always coming back to the truth that God is the main character He is the one that the story is all about Everything in the Bible points us to God and is about God And this part of the movie is a climax moment and so what I want us to focus on is Noah's attitude and response to God. You see, Noah trusted God completely. He, he trusted God in, in what was going on. He lived his life trying to do the right things. And this is why Noah was chosen out of everyone in existence to build the ark. Out of all the people on the earth at this time, Noah is the one person that God looked at and saw someone not overcome by evil. And it says in the Bible that Noah found favor with God. So the first conversation that we see between God and Noah is when God tells Noah, I need you to build this ark. Now, this ark is a giant boat. And the reason that he needs to build this is because God is going to flood everything. Now, as far as we know, there has never been anything even close to a flood Up to this point in history And so when God tells Noah Hey I need you to to build this ark Because I'm going to flood the world Noah may have had a few questions Like God I I, I hear you Uh, You want me to build an ark Because you're going to flood the world Okay got it Um, What's a flood? So see there's a lot of things That would make it hard for Noah To fully understand It took a lot of trust For Noah to do what God asked him to do So God talks to Noah, tells him to build this giant boat. How giant are you you asking? Well, the ark was 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. To give you an idea, the ark was as long as one and a half football fields. That's a big boat. So God tells Noah to build this ark, which, by the way, took anywhere from 20 to 80 years to build and then he tells him that this will save him his family and anywhere from 2000 to thirty-five thousand animals that's what all the historians were are, are looking at with the numbers and everything that's a lot of animals um no one knew that they would be on the ark for at least 40 days because that's how long god told him the rain would last And what ends up happening is from start to finish, from the moment that they walk onto the ark, God closes the door to them, walking out of the ark, back onto dry land. Noah, his family, the animals, they were on the ark for about a year. That's how long it took for the flood to cover the earth and then for the earth to show back up. Man, we get bored if we're sitting in the house for two hours with nothing to do. Imagine what Noah is feeling like, trapped on a boat with his family and a bunch of animals for a whole year. But he trusted God. You see, God didn't flood the earth just because he he was tired of the people that were there. He didn't like the people he created and he wanted to redo and thought... I'll do better next time because I'm not going to create that guy. He's a jerk. We're going to No, that's not what's happening. God flooded the earth because he wanted to get rid of all the evil and the wickedness. The problem is that all the evil and the wickedness was being committed by people. And so to get rid of all the evil and the wickedness, you had to get rid of all the evil and wicked people. Following? Okay, cool. Now, once the flood happens, man, the problem of evil is taken care of. For a little bit. You see, Noah found favor with God and was counted as righteous, but Noah was still a human man. And like we've talked about, the echo of Adam and Eve's sin in the garden is still sounding off and will continue to repeat until Jesus comes back. So, yes, Noah was righteous and blameless, but this doesn't mean that he was sinless. Let me say that again. Scripture says Noah was a righteous and blameless man. But that doesn't mean that he didn't deal with sin. It doesn't mean that he was perfect and never did anything wrong. Noah still had to deal with the temptation of sin because he was human. But the difference between Noah and the other people around him was that Noah lived for God. And Noah tried to obey God in everything that he did with his whole heart. While other people were doing whatever they wanted to do, living however they wanted to live and doing all the things that they felt like doing, Noah lived for God. Noah's life was an example of trust and obedience to his generation and the ones to follow. That was his echo. And that brings us to our point today. What echo are you creating? That's a question that I have to ask myself all the time. What echo am I creating? What is the example that I am setting for those around me and those who will follow after me? Does does our example show trust and obedience to God? And man, that's a big question and that is a big task. Because if you've been around this Jesus thing for any amount of time, you know that obeying God and trusting God isn't the easiest thing to do. But it's still important. So do you trust that God will help you get through another day? Do you trust that God is there and is paying attention to what's going on in your life? Do you trust that God will help get you through your parents' divorce or your fights with your friends or whatever is going on at school? Do you trust that God will never leave you? God loves you. Do you trust Him? God loves you and there's nothing you can do to to change that. Whether you believe that or not, God loves you. He always has and he always will. There's nothing that you can do to change that no matter how many times you mess up, no matter how many times you decide to turn your back on him and do things your way, no matter how many times that you go against what he wants you to do, God's love for you is constant. He always has and he always will love you. And so again, the question comes up, do you trust him? Hey, if you've got uh, some more conversations you want to have about what that looks like, what it means to trust Jesus, and how we can do that in our lives, I am always down to talk with you guys about that. So my email is going to be here on the bottom. Send me an email. Let's get the conversation going. And I would help you however I can when it comes to learning how to trust Jesus or trust him better and more so hey next week we're going to close out this series and and in the first 12 chapters of Genesis but until then here's what you need to know about we've got something starting on July 2nd called tailgate Thursdays and so for every Thursday in July anyone and everyone is welcome to come here on the campus of OCC out in the parking lot and we are going to tailgate we are just going to hang out from 6 30 to 8 30 on Thursday nights here's what you need to know about that you bring your own everything, okay? So bring your tailgate, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be a truck. It can be your car. It can be your bike, whatever. But bring your own tailgate. Bring your own food. Bring your own launch air. We're gonna have some games like cornhole and can jam. But if you got something, bring it. Bring your music, whatever it is. We want you to come and just hang out with us. Bring your friends, your family, your neighbors. Don't care. Bring people. It's gonna be awesome. And then the last thing is we are working on some things to do when we are able to gather back together in larger numbers. And so we want. To hear from you. We want to hear what you want to do, what activities, events, and all that stuff. If you've got ideas, hit us up on social media. That'll be at the end of this video. Or again, send me an email. Hey, we love you guys. Join us on Sundays back here on campus at 9 and 11 a.m. Uh, if you feel like it, say hey to us. Come and find me. I'll give you an air high five and uh, we'll do all that. Or continue to join us online. And uh, man, we'd love to see you there as well. We love you guys. We're so excited to see you guys soon and be able to hang out and do some more stuff uh, together as a ministry and just hanging out as as friends. So with all that, we'll see you guys later. We love you. Check out our social media and the website to get all the information and we'll see you guys later.